You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, hello again, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense, and I'm your host, Doug Thorpe. Today, we are going to take a journey down the path of uh, personal development, I think, is maybe the best way to say it. We might find another word for it as we get into it, but my guest is a a young man named Ted Faden. Ted, welcome to the show. Doug, thanks so much for having me. To the listeners, I, I appreciate the time. I promise I won't take it for granted. Ted's got an interesting background, and for those of you who will eventually look at our video version of this, he actually has an Emmy Award in his uh, backdrop there. I'll let him share the story about that a little bit, but Ted, as is a little bit of custom here, tell us first uh, some of your backstory. How did you get to where you are today and what it has inspired you to do the work you're doing? Oh, wow. Um I'll do my best to keep it brief. I appreciate the introduction, Doug. Um, I'd say my, I always say my story starts with my parents who are both immigrants from Haiti. Uh, they sacrificed everything so I could have something. I've seen the the duality of them working hard to put me into Catholic school where I might've seen some others who took what they had for granted. Um, the whole adage, if you wanna be rich, work harder, never made sense to me because my parents were the hardest working people I knew Yet I was going to college with 18-year-olds driving H2 Hummers and BMWs. So I saw the difference of the two worlds, which I think played into how I approach life now, where I am um, ambitiously content, right? I I love where I am and I'm thankful for where I am currently, but I'm still ambitious and looking for what's next. Get the work ethic from my parents, my taste for the finer things from my experiences in Catholic school. And I've recognized matching the work ethic to get there is what got me through college and eventually um, into my first TV job after a few setbacks we could probably get into. But um, just been through it all. Almost failed out of college my first freshman year. Got a degree in broadcast meteorology. Um, From there, had a hard time getting into TV. Got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. Um, That landed me in the hospital for two weeks. Bounced back from that. Had a new vision on life, which is where I started my growth. Got a TV job a year later. And then that sent me to Saginaw, Michigan, from there to Greenville, South Carolina, then from Greenville, South Carolina to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I am now. And along the way, started a podcast called The Modern Man with the mission of connecting men in pursuit of their potential. And uh, I've been been rocking that ever since. So The Modern Man Podcast, and, and what's the tagline on it? Um, the Modern Man Podcast is connecting men in pursuit of their potential, building the community of like-minded men, kind of surrounding themselves um, towards growth, leadership, devotion towards your the way you show up in every day. And I say increasing our capacity for life. Yeah, I love that. And that was one of the things that really drew my attention to your profile and why we started this journey together, you and I. I... As most of my listeners know, I'm a big fan of the the fundamental concept of mentorship to develop people. It, it's not limited to men, folks. I mean, I want to I want to make that quick disclaimer. I want to insert that point. Um, his podcast may have that title, but I'm sure you're going to discover some of the principles apply to everybody. 
the um, the point in my backstory, just to remind everybody, I, I tell it often, I, I was raised the only child of a single mom, and one of the most brilliant things she did, and I love her for it to this day, is that uh, because my dad had passed away and she had chosen not to remarry, what she did choose to do is surround me with mentors. And there was always somebody I could go to or look to uh, in my case, it, it was male-oriented. I could get a, a mentor's perspective on what I needed to know about growing up in the next step. And that has just become a regular habit for me my whole life. I stay surrounded by mentors, and I go find them when I identify a gap area that I want to work on. And I'm not afraid to ask somebody, you know, hey, what have you done with this? How have you tackled this? And it sounds like you have some of those same kind of beliefs and principles in, in your story. Absolutely. I think when we meet somebody in life that doesn't have what we have, there's one of two reactions, resentment or becoming a student. Identifying if somebody has something I want, instead of approaching it with resentment, I would approach it with, can you educate me? Can you let me know what it is you did to acquire what you have? Uh, when I first started working out, and I know it could be intimidating to go to the gym for anybody that is is looking to better themselves in any realm. I think the gym and fitness is a great metaphor to that and metaphor to life. So in terms of looking for mentorships, if you go to the gym, it can be intimidating at first. You might see folks who are fit and in shape and you're sitting there and you're not really sure what you're doing. Well, I found that the people who make the fastest progress in the gym when they first start working out ask questions. And you'll find that most people in the gym are very supportive of other people who are just starting out. Hey, am I doing this right? Or, hey, what do you think? You'll find that people are more willing to help and pass on what they've learned to save you time and save you money in the process. And that's what mentorship is. By asking those questions and humbling yourself a little bit and looking at others and identify, hey, there's something I can learn from you. Let me be a student. Instruct me on what to do. And just like in the gym regimen and a fitness regimen, you track your numbers, you track your KPIs, you see growth over time. It's not an overnight thing. You eventually find yourself to the point where you become competent in whatever area it is you started. And right. mentorship is huge for that. Well, and to milk that metaphor a little further, you know, one of the aspects of that is, as you alluded to, learning how to do it right. Because a, a gym is a good example. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of equipment. There's a lot of opportunity to do things horribly wrong that can ultimately damage joints, strain muscles, create semi-permanent injury. And, and learning how to do it well and, and do the motion correctly is what accelerates the progress. Absolutely. And the faster you learn the proper way to do something, the more results you're going to have in a shorter time frame. Yeah. If I could expound on that, I, I think in, in my life, what I found was a lot of us move really, really fast. And I was kind of guilty of this in my in my late twenties, early thirties, especially when I was I was an anchor at my old station in Greenville, South Carolina. I had just started what was called the No Rain No Rainbows podcast, and I was also 
feeding this idea that was the modern man. And I'm running all these three things and I'm moving so fast. And just like when you're in the gym, somebody tells you, hey, your form is off. You're going to hurt yourself. Maybe we should take some weight off. Well, here I am. And I haven't mentioned no rain, no rainbows because I had to take that weight off. I had to identify where my, where my focus and where my heart and my passion was and feed those things and let some of that weight come off so I could work with better form, better my time, slow down a little bit, and then really start to see the progress in those things that matter. Kind of like you can identify some workouts that aren't helping you along the way, or again, you better your form by taking the weight off, which will in turn give you faster progress. Yeah. Well, that metaphor aside, <laughs> let's park that one for a little bit. Let, let's, let's move on into the meat of, of some of the messaging that you're doing now and, and the ways that you're trying to help people reveal and, and experience their best selves. What are some of the things you are doing for folks today? Yeah, well, I'm a huge, I'm huge on community building because I think what I identified when we first started having conversation around men's, men's mental health and encouragement, it was how lonely a lot of us men are. We, we are lucky if we have a, a close relationship that's more than just surface level. So a lot of what we work on is more of the, the detailed and, and intimate relationships where vulnerability can come into play. And that's all through community building. Outside of that, it's, it's identifying a purpose and a growth and a direction for ourselves. A lot of guys, especially if they're, they're hard workers, ambitious, they find when they wake up and their phone rings, somebody wants something from them. And I'm sure a lot of guys can relate to this, right? Every time my phone rings, it's, it's the kids need something, the wife needs something, my boss needs something. When was the last time your phone rang and somebody was just like, hey, I just want to check on you, see how you're doing. And for a lot of us as men, we, we don't have that. We, we don't get that outlet. So that's kind of a lot of the work that we do is, is kind of honing in on relationships and digging the well before we're thirsty, right? Focusing on growth, focusing on development, because we'll come together quick for something positive. We're hesitant to admit we need help. So it's about building that community around positivity and growth. So when life inevitably gets difficult, punches us in the face or, or something happens, we already have those intimate relationships to better navigate some of the setbacks, whether it's in our business, whether it's in marriage and relationships, finances, what have you. And that's a, a lot of what our conversations circle around. Right. You know, I'm reminded as you were describing all of that, uh, uh, the great comedian Brian Reagan has a bit that he talks about his wife challenging him on his relationships with his buddies. And he talks about going out and playing golf with some guys and one of the guys in the group's going through a divorce. And so, you know, he's gone all day and comes home and the wife says, well, how's George doing? And he says, George, uh, I guess he's fine. What do you mean you guess he's fine? You just played four hours of golf with him. You don't know? He goes, well, no. Well, he's going through a divorce. How's that going on? He goes, I guess it's fine. <laughs> you know? and, and, and the point being, you know, guys don't typically connect on those kind of levels, even though we might have time and we might have a circumstance that you would think would, would maybe open up and lead to those kind of discussions. It's either two things. There's a 
there's a kind of a pride that you don't really want to spill and and explain all that because you know big boys don't cry you know that's what yeah. we heard a, a lot of us growing up and the other thing is you you really don't want to ask because you don't want to challenge that that perimeter yeah it's hard to sit there sometimes when you you open it up you say i don't want to ruin the mood right and i think it's what i found is when you start and you volunteer you usually get the receipt because you're right uh, i have a shirt that says uh hashtag you good and it's uh it's a campaign that i've run it's year round every shirt that's sold the profits go to the mankind project a men's mental health nonprofit. and the idea behind it is we don't ask each other if you're hey are you good enough but as I kind of rolled out the shirt and talked to more people and I would share the shirt with friends and I'd tell them, Hey, you know, give me some feedback into last time somebody asked you if you were good. And what I realized is that we actually ask each other, Hey, are you good? But the response is always, and I'm not going to say always, but the response oftentimes isn't true. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Right. Because we don't want to disrupt mm -hmm. the situation, disrupt the mood where what I've learned is, you know, it's easier for us men to kind of like, hey, this is what I'm going through when somebody else goes first, right? When somebody kind of takes the lead and says, hey, man, you mind if we grab a beer really quick? I got some things on my mind. I just got to get off off my chest. You just got to listen. You don't even have to solve the problem. That's the best part, right? Just sitting there in that moment with them, it gives, right. gives them that comfort. Right. But I guarantee you, if you have a buddy and you invite them to a drink, invite them to coffee. If you don't drink, whatever it might be, a nice, quiet spot, and you create that safe place, you say, hey, man, this is, roll it out. This is what I'm going through. This is what it looks like. They'll hear you, and most likely, they'll have something they're going through, too. And that's what opens up that moment. Right. And, and I think that is the key and the, the pivot point of, of being the person that asks the genuine question and offers the genuine moment. Like you said, just say, hey, can, you know, you seem to be struggling. You want to get together? You want to go have a coffee, have a beer, have lunch, whatever, and, and, and spend that time and invest that time. And, you know, it, 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 it reminds me of the old schoolyard wisdom that we were taught as kids, at least we were in my generation. You know, if you want a friend, you got to be a friend. Mm -hmm. And if you you know, are feeling lonely and isolated, maybe it's not about waiting for somebody to come talk to you, but maybe you need to go ahead and reach out to somebody else. Yeah. And that, you know, that can be a, a, a neighbor, a, 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 an acquaintance, a, a mentor, a coach, something like that. You know, you, you can go either way with it. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to being a friend, a lot of times uh, when we get to give the blessing, when we get to be the person for someone else, it fills us up. And I use the example of think of Christmas, it's the happiest time of the year, not because of all the gifts we receive, because we're excited to give a gift that's going to put a smile on someone's face. So to your point, being there for somebody um, especially when you need someone there for you is not only one of the selfishly best ways to feel better, but us also the best ways to open up that opportunity. It's the best ways to 
open up an opportunity to be helped is by helping someone else. And someone might be like, well, you know, I can't do much, but you can do what you can do, right? You could be an ear. Sometimes just be a shoulder. Sometimes just, just be a smile. It could be the smallest thing that changes the trajectory of somebody's day. But also, you might need that smile just as much. And we've, we've heard how, you know, someone like Robin Williams, for example, someone who, who puts so much smiles on other people's faces, need, probably need that smile more than anybody. And uh, it's, it's about, like you said, um, going first, you know, being the friend when you need a friend, volunteering that help when you need help, and, and taking that first step. Right. Well, you know, you, you alluded to one dimension, and I've had a couple of guests on my show where we have spent some time talking about this, and that is uh, mental health in general. Mm -hmm. And in, in the post-COVID world we live in, we, we're still dealing with folks who experienced the COVID lockdown and the whole pandemic in many, many different ways. I, I've read articles where some medical uh, professionals and therapists and psychologists are suggesting that the, the vast majority of, of mankind experienced a form of PTSD because of COVID. It was the closest thing a lot of people experienced having to really question their own mortality. And it, it got deep it, and it got dark for many and not everybody has just rebounded quickly from that. Yeah. So the, I think the first message and takeaway, and, and I always feel obligated because this is a public forum to make a statement. I am not a mental health professional. What I'm getting ready to say should not be taken as that kind of advice, but it, it's a point of encouragement. And I'll, I'll get straight to the bottom line. If, if you're listening to this and you feel like you're struggling, please go get some help. Go find a professional or start with a friend, but find someone that can give you some assistance and help. And for many, at least in the business world, we talk a lot about this idea of resilience. That, that's become a real popular buzzword in executive offices all over the country and all over the world. People know that people are kind of on the brink of burning out. They, they, they worked long and hard during the pandemic because all the boundaries went away. Yeah. When, when you used to get up and do your commute and go to the office for your eight or nine o'clock start time, and then you would do your work and five, six, seven o'clock, you'd commute back home. There was a break there between home and work. And all of those lines got blurred during COVID. Mm -hmm. And most people are opting to demand the remote opportunity as much as they can in the kind of work they do. And many companies are embracing that, but we still have the challenge on where are the lines, where are the boundaries? Yeah. When do I need to unplug and stop working and pay attention to my family, pay attention to my relationships, pay attention to the other things that help me recharge? Mm -hmm. I think one of my favorite books is the books uh, Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud. And, and I try and implement that in a lot of different areas in life, but specifically to what you mentioned, a lot of us, 
are requiring and asking for boundaries in our workplace when we haven't even established boundaries within ourselves. And to your point of understanding, okay, I would love this remote work, but now when do I unplug? When do I tune in? There are some people who work remotely, but they work more remotely than they did when they were in work. Now they're always on call, right? I think the the most important thing for me is first identifying the values and the trajectory in which I want to take my life and try and operate around that. Where I work now as a morning meteorologist, I understand the limitations, but I don't miss anything at night after 8 p.m. when I go to bed. That's not where I'm leading my life. Sure, do I miss a few Monday night football games? Do I miss you know, some of the games during the week? Sure, of course. But I'm also up at 2 a.m. and I get the updates while everybody's asleep, feeling <laughs> the hangover from the celebration. I'm just getting the information, watching the highlights, and still getting the fun by, every t- by the time people are up for the water cooler, right? But Again, that's how I lead my life. And the, the boundaries I have within, for example, my, my work schedule, I have to consider what my work schedule will look like based on how much time I want to spend with family and, and what I want to do in other areas. I think when we identify how we want our lives to look, we can better identify the boundaries in which our, our jobs should treat us in. And I would also say our jobs will respect our boundaries as much as we do. How many people work in the office and then go home and still get a text message and then they're at home working from the laptop because now they have the opportunity to be in office and remote. Right. And that is a, obviously I I agree with you where I am not a professional in any regard in that space in the consultation HR space, but perhaps a conversation with you and your boss is like, Hey, when I get home, I'd really like to have dinner with, with my husband. I'd really like to have dinner with my wife. Right. Hours from, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. is off limits. I got to be with family. Try starting there, having dinner every day with your family and then work remote afterwards. But when, when you talk about boundaries, you can tell probably I got a little passionate in that regard because I think there's so many areas that can be benefited when we understand what our boundaries are and others could better work within those boundaries with us for a more uh, cohesive lifestyle. Right, right. Well, it it takes that, I'll, I will use the D word, it takes that kind of discipline to look at where you are today and ask yourself the question, am I, I really making the progress I want to make toward whatever goal it may be? Mm-hmm. You know, it could be a fitness goal, it could be a business goal, it could be a relationship goal, it could be raising kids, that kind of goal. There's a lot of things, but the only way anybody achieves anything in the way of setting a goal is to be intentional about the work you've got to do to get there. Mm-hmm. And I occasionally, I, I frequently present to my clients the notion of establishing 100-day plans. And they don't even have to be in a new job. They just have to be in a job where they're explaining they feel stuck or frustrated by where they've gotten themselves or or the circumstances in the business. And we'll talk about building a 100-day plan. All right, what do you want to break through or what do you want to try to accomplish to get that sense of progress and that specific win that you want to achieve? And for all the people I talk to about that, occasionally I will get the client that really struggles. They can't process what it means to 
map out a hundred days of effort and activity toward a goal. Mm, yeah. I mean, they get it intellectually, but they, they can't really assimilate it into a life change opportunity. Yeah. It can get hard to reverse engineer the day in and day out. And a quote I've been saying a lot lately is, you know, the person who loves the journey gets farther than the person who loves the destination. And in order to really get that 100-day plan laid out, I think a lot of people can set maybe goals, they could set visions, but it gets hard to, to see the footprints in the sand that lead there. Whereas, and that's probably a lot of work you do in terms of kind of coaching and helping people with, you know, hey, these are the small habits and routines that gets you from A to B. And you could apply it to different areas in life. If, if let's say you wanna cook, a friend of mine said they, want, they wanted to start picking up and learning some recipes and they wanted to be a bit of a culinary artist, but they didn't wanna go to school for it and anything like that. I said, hey, why don't you go to YouTube and look up knife skills? They're like, well, why do I wanna do that? I wanna cook. I'm like, well, knife skills takes up about 33% of the prepping process. And if you can learn how to be efficient with a knife, much like a chef, it takes maybe 20 hours to be proficient in that. You drastically cut down your cooking time and you're not going to be spending hours trying to learn a recipe. You can at least cook faster, learn faster, move faster. So it's a bit of, it's a, it's just a different way of looking at it, right? A lot of times we look at the forest, but we can't see the individual trees because we don't zoom in exactly. into those little things that will make the big picture the little steps and the little flowing of the colorado river that eventually becomes the grand canyon right right i i love that analogy and and breaking it down into essential elements and tackling those it, it's it's the old classic joke if you want to eat an elephant how do you do it we got to do it one bite at a time <laughs> you, and uh that that is true for this whole idea of of planning a destination and i really like your your statement about getting excited about the journey not just the destination mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it is a journey if you want to create a change for yourself it is going to be a journey period yeah. point end of paragraph yeah it is a journey. You're, you're not going to jump from where you are today to some miraculous new version of yourself tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Any more realistic than coming back to the gym story, you know, walking through the door and, and dropping 30 pounds of body weight. It, it's, it's not going to happen like that. We get so connected to, um, you know, the montage you know, watching Rocky and then, you know, he could barely get up the stairs. And then a minute and a half later, he's, he's, he's running straight to the top and arms over our, our head in victory. Um, we see it time and time again, the hero's journey in any traditional movie you see through the climax, the hero, you know, in two hours, you could see someone with their lives completely destroyed. And by the end of the movie, they're, they're the hero, right? And we fall in love with those stories, but, but, it's a huge release of dopamine because it makes it look easy. And the more we talk about the end game, right? The more we talk about the goal of what it looks like at the end, we're releasing that dopamine. How many times do we talk about what we're going to do, 
<laughs> but by getting excited of the day in the day out is 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 what gives us that that traction is what puts the, the rubber to the road that's yeah. what gets the car going so let me put you on the spot ted for all that we've said in this in the spirit of this change and improvement idea what are some of the first steps that you would encourage people to think about if they are hit, sitting here today listening to this they say i've got a change i want to make in my life right now yeah um i appreciate that because obviously I, I want the listeners to get something practical right something that something they could start doing um to make that change one thing i i, I say a lot is get off the snooze button and and i i say the analogy of the snooze button that's what i do my alarm goes off at 2 20 a.m and i'm up i'm at them and i have my routine set um whether it's the snooze button whether it's a small habit or something i encourage the listeners to make a small promise with themselves very low barrier of entry and keep that promise because a lot of people they don't act because they don't have the confidence in themselves they don't have the the uh the dependency on themselves they don't trust themselves so they don't act in the first place so i would i would encourage listeners to make one small promise in themselves and start keeping it to get a little record of of following through on your word get your confidence get your your security up and if that's not an issue for it then i would really start focusing and asking questions on what i want in life journaling literally taking a pen and a piece of paper you don't know what's going to come out and honestly i don't know what's going to come out when i start writing either i just put pen to paper and i start saying okay my day was good i really would like house in the lake and why do i want a house in the lake a lot of us a lot of times we don't know what we want because we we spend so many times so much of our days pleasing others again goes to the boundaries aspect we please so many others we don't know what we want so we need to sit down and ask ourselves what do i want what does a life look like with me happy what does my day-to-day -day look like who do i want to be and what does that person do every single day we need to vividly get that and for a lot of people they get afraid of committing to one thing commit to something find out if you don't like it and then you get close to what you want by process of elimination right you can't just stay in the middle of a dark room take a few steps find a wall and then run the wall until you find a door and get into a different room so first make those promises to yourself to start getting that vision and the clarity of where you want to take your life um and then three start doing what that future person would do so a uh, simple example i know we've used the gym example a lot but like if you see yourself let's say you see yourself fitting in that that dress you haven't worn since your mid-20s right or for, for the guys you see yourself fitting that that suit blazer that you wore to to uh you know a, a date a long time ago and it hasn't fit you for five years maybe you see yourself fitting that blazer in five years okay what does the person that fits that blazer in five years do every day because we made a promise to ourselves we kept the promise we now we have a vision of fitting in that blazer in five years i probably need to eat a little better maybe work out a little bit more so i'm going to start doing what that guy does and in essence that that person becomes closer that future becomes closer as long as you start embodying it now you know along that line i, I happen to be maybe it's because of my texas roots i happen to be a, a big matthew mcconaughey fan and you know for those out there love him or hate him uh 
if you hate him, you probably haven't really listened to what he says. But if you <laughs> have, you kind of get into it. And I, I, I'm reminded of his uh, uh, acceptance speech at the Oscars when he talked about, um, you know, the three people that are influences in his life. And, and the third one is someone to chase. And he, he said, basically, that's the guy he wants to be in five years. Yeah. You know, he, he has that constant vision of that guy out there on the horizon. And that's the guy he wants to chase and, and, and work to be. And, um, it, uh, it, it really is a powerful force to, to be able to visualize that and then set your journey to get there. Yeah. And, and those are the, those are the, the, the base basic steps that that's very unique and applies to everybody. I can give uh, my routine and, and for the growth that I'm looking for, I, I read nonfiction books. I, I make it a habit to read that for my nightly routine. Um, I'll practice breath work. I, I, I take cold showers and cold plunges for my mental fortitude. You know, those are more nuanced things that, that we talk about and that I advise people just because it works for me. I understand not everybody wants to get in a, in a barrel full of ice, not everybody wants to take a cold shower, but I focus more on, well, the utility of that for me is my mental fortitude. The utility of that for me is just preparing myself so, for what I might be, what, what might be needed of me throughout the day. So I'm not going to be a proponent of everybody should ice barrel, but if maybe anxiety and stress is something that you, you deal with, this has been known to help with that. This is something I would recommend, and that's a remedy. Anyone listening that might struggle with stress and anxiety, hey, might be worth trying. If nothing else has worked so far, try getting in a barrel full of ice water for, for five minutes or even start for 60 seconds. We can do anything for 60 seconds. Studies show anyone who's been exposed to, I actually just uh, got the research this morning, anyone exposed to, I think it was 68 degrees of water for five minutes, which is relatively cool, not cold. Um, the studies have shown increased mood immediately after. So think of when you take like a cold shower or you come out and you're fresh and you're refreshed, you're awake, you have that chill to you. Um, so those cold water exposure therapy has been helpful. I always lean on fitness. That's been a good foundation for me, for, for anyone who's listening. Fitness has been helpful in my self-confidence and I always say it's not the number on the scale or the number of the weights that I'm lifting it's the fact that whatever body I have I've worked for and that makes me proud of it so those are all the mental approaches that I take and some of the practices I take that also I think people could apply that could be helpful in their everyday lives right right well, Ted, if um, folks are wanting to learn more uh, about your work and the messages you've got what's the best way to get a hold of you yeah, Doug, I, I appreciate it. Um, I'm easy to find at themodernmanpodcast.com. Um, that's the link to the podcast, everything we do. We have a mastermind group called the Noble Knights. Um, and, and you mentioned it before. A lot of what I've spoken about, I'm pretty sure resonates with everyone. It's it's called the Modern Man. The Noble Knights is a men's men, mastermind group of like-minded men, just because it is packaged that way from the personal experiences that I've had in life. And I've packaged it to that specific niche of men. But there are a lot of women who listen to our show and enjoy it as well. And I'm thankful for, for all of them as listeners as well. Um, because like you mentioned, we're talking about self-development, mental health. If you like what we are sharing, we love to have you. That's great. 
Well, one last time, Ted, thanks for sitting in. Really appreciate you sharing, and congratulations on all your hard work and the great things that you got going on. It's been a pleasure, Doug. Thanks so much. Well, with that, folks, we're going to wrap this up, put a bow on it. I do like to remind everybody that we have a video version of this show on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there, leave us a comment, a thumbs up, thumbs down, whatever you feel like doing. But more importantly, I do invite you, if you've got an idea for a subject that we haven't yet covered on this show, or if you yourself would like to be a guest, drop me a line, let me know, and I'll uh, look forward to talking with you. So with that, we're going to sign off, say goodbye, and go out there and have a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.